This is the Greg Scheinman Podcast. The Greg Scheinman Podcast. Brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. All right, welcome to the Greg Scheinman Podcast. On the program today, I have Nick Walney. Nick is the COO of Row Studios here in Houston. Nick, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me, Greg. Well, we can we can chuckle about this, and thanks thanks for for having you on the show today because we talk basically every day. <laughs> it's um, been about an hour since we last talked to each exactly. other. Exactly. <laughs> so, Nick is, as I said, the COO of of Row Studios. Um, I am actually the founder uh, and CEO of Row Studios, so this is a deeply personal show for me and having Nick on, first time we've done this, to kind of discuss the the working dynamic, um, kind of discuss the balance that I have to deal with between uh, businesses, multiple businesses, and working with others, and where we're trying to take Row and where ultimately he's trying to lead the company to go and how that fits in to everything we both have going on in, in our worlds. So we can open this up um, and, and get pretty transparent on it. But first, a little, little background on how do we know each other? <laughs> um, well, I think we've known each other for a while in the fitness space. Um, just kind of being, uh, you know, I think we have a similar uh, mentality uh, around boutique fitness and, you know, trying all different flavors of fitness all around town and things like that. For me, for you, it's just being a workoutaholic. For me, it was like, it was part of a previous job. <laughs> I did, um, uh, I worked in management and community relations for Lululemon, which is an athletic apparel company. Um, I did that for about five years. So kind of just jumping around and working with different entrepreneurs in the city and around Texas. Uh, when it came to uh, fitness startups, studio startups, uh, things like that. And so, you know, working a little little bit with yourself uh in terms of row as uh launching as a studio but then also i'd bump into you at uh all these other horrible torturous workouts around town when you were going there for fun and i was on the clock <laughs> yeah and and in knowing each other you know what what ultimately ended up happening was we were looking uh for we, we were looking for a head of marketing at row um, somebody to come in and help take Row to the next level as we want to add new studios and, and grow the business. Uh, and I recall reaching out to you to, to basically see if you knew of anybody. You had done similar, you'd scaled and grown um, a business called Yoga One and had been over there, again, being involved in the fitness space and, and knowing each other. You'd been doing some consulting. And I recall reaching out to you thinking maybe Nick knows somebody, you know, that would be, mm. that could be good for us over here. Um, and it turned around a little bit into, I think the timing was, was good, that you were looking to get back I mean, into the studio space a little bit, into a, into a company versus doing some things on your own. And we certainly had that, had that need. Um, and it worked out very well to have you come on. And we'll touch on how, how it changed virtually overnight from what you were brought in necessarily kind of to do to what, what we're, actually, we're actually doing now. Right, right. I'd love for you to actually speak to first. Um, I don't know how much of your audience knows about kind of like the inception of Row and in terms of you know your uh, vision with it. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, turning the mic over on you, kind of reversing which, which, the Q and A, yeah, which, is, which is great yeah. because that's the marketing, you know, that's the marketing hat and sensibility in you. So effectively, Row Studios was was developed with 
with the idea and the vision to bring rowing to the masses. Um, could we take kind of the style and what had happened with spinning and combine it with a lot of the substance of, of rowing and the growth of high intensity interval training that was out there. And I got introduced to rowing through CrossFit um, as having multiple knee surgeries and a guy who doesn't particularly love to run and love uh, impact got introduced to rowing, particularly indoor rowing concept to ergs uh, that I was on and really fell in love with it. And looking for a style of workout that maybe wasn't CrossFit, um, but also was able to do this, develop the concept of endurance, strength, and mobility with, with Row Studios, and can we create a class dynamic that encompasses the all body and, and what we're looking for in terms of, of perfect fitness. Um, went out there um, as any entrepreneur looked to put a business plan together, um, raised the capital, launched our first studio in Houston uh, four years ago, and here we are now having, we feel, proven that model to a certain extent, looking to bring in the right team to take, to take the company to the next level. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> a longer-winded answer than you probably wanted, but <laughs> for everybody else, <laughs> else out there. Um, so let, let's touch on this a little bit. Originally, we were looking for a marketing director um, at Roe. Shortly after um, you came on board, even we put the offer out there, um, it turned out that we were really actually in need of a COO. We, we had a general manager that was not going to stay on board with the company, um, was leaving us. We had some issues with, with coaching and staffing and I had my personal issues with about how much time I was able to devote to the business and, and what it needed every day. And we put the COO hat on you um, versus the marketing hat right away, <laughs> and, and you've gone to work. Um, talk a little bit about, about that. I mean, that had to be like, oh, shit, you know, like I got hired for this, and then the next day you just basically kind of turned the world upside down, and now I got to go run a rowing business. Right, right. <laughs> um, well, first, I'm so glad that we can curse on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it... <sighs> We we had connected about really I think that the the bigger conversation even more than a you know specific job title or something like that is that um, my previous experience had been around um, taking a business from single location to multi location and how that is kind of a it is in essence there's a little bit of a culture shock and a culture shift when that happens and um, you kind of have to. Uh, you have to get the people off the bus that are ready to just have their like glorified playground with no rules. And you have to start to systematize and uh, put together uh, that recipe, like, you know, like two cups flour, one cup sugar, like here's the business. Okay, here we go. Um, let's fire some bullets. And uh, uh, so in terms of, um, I previously previously done the COO position with Yoga One Studios. And so we, we grew to seven locations with them and uh, we uh, acquired a retreat center in New Mexico, which was a fun little special project. So if, if anyone needs to, if anyone needs help to acquire a retreat center, you can, uh, you can give me a call. Uh, um, but to, to circle back to that, I mean, what I love about marketing is it just comes back to reach and it's kind of an extension of brand. Um, I love the operations of marketing. I love the backend systems and things like that. And taking the, uh, the stories of the studio or the stories of your company and putting it into uh, a structure to where um, every single person that walks through the door gets a really clear sense of why you're here and what you're up to. Uh, and I think particularly in small business and often in fitness, which has very much has a vibe and a, a feeling to it 
right? Uh, people come to feel good. Uh, it's about um, getting as many of those people that come into the door to get really, really clear on why why you do what you do, uh, and and potentially converting those people into you know some sort of a recurring uh, membership uh, agreement. There's uh, there's a saying I really like uh, even within the fitness space. You know, if you were to teach a class, you te- you I mean you teach fitness classes. I've taught classes for years. Um, when you teach a class and it's eighty uh, percent uh, drop ins or Groupon uh, clients or things like that. It's a completely different vibe than when the class is 80% members. When Mm -hmm. it's 80% members, you know, like people are kind of cutting up on the sides and stuff like that. Not in a, you know, not in a troublesome way, but just really in like, like the feeling of community is completely different than when you've got people that are, uh, you know, not connecting with each other and really don't want to connect with each other. Um, And so to strategically design the business that moves in the direction of creating community, you you know, we know we do, we know that we're doing our job when people are coming 30 minutes early and they're staying 30 minutes after just for the you know the social opportunity slash just other things you know that they want to um, that they want to do and uh, it's really cool to do that in an industry that's about health and uh, specifically proactive health where people are going to take care of themselves now so that they can take care of their families later yeah and that's that's a really good point about community and also Community means different things to different people, and there are very different types of communities uh, that develop at various different types of fitness centers or, or, or any business. Um, and for me, I always wanted to develop and create a place where that's where I wanted to also hang out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want. I've always said. Yeah, I you hang out be, a lot. You walk. You <laughs> live down the street. Yes. You'll just walk down the street. Yeah, and show maybe up. not such a great idea to buy a house 400 meters, you know, away from from <laughs> one of your businesses. Uh, but that's also a double-edged sword. Of you know, you want to develop and build a place that you want to hang out at, and and you want to be there. And then you also realize that it's a business. It's not just a place to hang out. And sometimes, can you just relax and have and have fun? And then for me who's not able to be there all the time, you wrestle with the other situation, which is, I'd love to be there all the time, love to come in and, and change this or do that or make that happen, and then you you have to go, and you hope that that vision you know, that you have is perpetuated, is, is being carried forward by the rest of the team again, and certainly on the leadership you know, that's there. And, and over the last 45 or so days, like one of the things that's excited me the most is that I'm starting to have fun back in the studio again, mm. you know, about the energy that's there um, and, and the dynamic. And I'd want to touch on this a little bit of, of building a partnership and how you work together, that CEO, COO dynamic. And it's not about a title thing because, you know, I'm a CEO over COO It's a studio <laughs> There's right now. only not, like nine like, employees. Yeah, so I mean, it's exactly. It's kind of like, <laughs> hey, we have a couple of guys that are trying to build something unique and try to build something special and make it grow. And this is what we have to do every day, you know, from taking out the trash to developing a full year's worth of marketing campaigns and find leases and open up, open up new places. Mm-hmm. But I want, I want to talk about that a little bit, um, how to develop good partnerships, you know, how to be a good, a good partner, because I wrestle with that a lot. And okay, mm-hmm. what does, what is somebody like, what do you need in your position from, you know, from a leader, if you will, from a partner? Yeah, I think, um, uh, going back to that kind of like, uh, uh, dreamer and architect kind of relationship, like I really rely on you or rely on the 
the CEO or the visionary to um, <laughs> it's a, it's it's kind of a double edged sword because I rely on you, I lean on you to be um, dreaming up ideas and kind of head in the clouds and uh, positivity. You call yourself the eternal optimist, and I would totally agree with that. Be like that's never gonna happen. Shut up, that's not gonna happen, right? Um, but and then to balance that with really my role is to come in. Um, and foil that and with some of those um, not foil in the sense of like sabotage foil in terms of compliment um, to where it's like okay like that's great um, yes like we totally like we want we want as many people as possible to live long healthy fun lives uh, so what structures do we need to put in place that are going to deliver on that vision um, and uh, that's great that we can generate ideas and generate ideas for hours and hours and hours on end. And we're going to put we're going to put 90 percent of those in our back pocket and save them for a rainy day. And then we're going to take the ideas that are going to most rapidly and effectively deliver on people living long, healthy, fun lives and uh, and deliver on those uh, in a way that. In a way that, like, you know it's working. For operations, you know it's working when, you know, you mentioned before, you're coming in and you're having fun. Or that when people, you know, our coaches are starting to say that more, that they're like, man, what I really love about working at this business is that I don't have to look at a computer ever for any reason. You know, or that I don't have to worry about, you know, someone's telling me that their credit card's expired and, like, I just point at some other employee. You know, like, for the coach, like, for the coach to be just completely about fun, challenge, excitement, inspiration, um, and to have those be really, like, siloed separately. Um, I think that's made a really, really big difference in just helping to create that vibe. But to kind of go back to your to your question, um, yeah, that's what I that's what I look for, and it's kind of a balance. Like I need to keep you on a tight leash, honestly, <laughs> just so that I don't uh, does that I don't have a mental breakdown. Um, but then I also um, lean on you frequently for like to cast and recast the vision as we're moving along in real time. And I think that's that's important. And you need somebody that is strong enough also to be able to do that. You know, <laughs> without pushback. You know, right. or if it was just okay, okay, okay. You know, let's put this in the queue, put this in the queue, and you don't think anybody, anything's ever getting said no to. The expectations are way, way off to think mm-hmm. that we could execute well on every single idea, you know, that, that is being thrown up all over, all over people yep. uh, in there. So I think in, in the relationship aspect of things that you got to have somebody that you're working with that is strong enough to, to give you pushback. You know, that's strong enough to say, hey, that email you sent me at like 6.58 this morning, you know, it's great, but we're not going to do any of that, okay? And we're not going to do any of that. And here's why we're not going to do any of that, because of boom, 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 and what we talked about at 7.37 p.m. the day before. You right. Know? Um, and that kind of alignment, and I'm saying this in, in any relationship, regardless of what the widget is that you may make or business, that kind of alignment and that kind of strength to go at it a little bit and make sure that you stay on course uh, moves businesses forward because you're right. not going to get anywhere. And, then, and we've always we've we've all done this in various with the push pull, you know, or going right, going left, going right, going left. You'll make a little progress, but certainly not the same kind of progress that you would make if we were going all aligned in the same direction at the same time. Now. Right. And I think also what comes with saying no. So for the COO seat, um, what comes with saying no is speaking to the wise. So rather than like, nah, I don't think that's a great idea or eh, we're not going to really have time to do that, um, to speak to the wise of um, – 
Hey, thanks so much for these 30 new ideas that you sent me this morning. Um, currently, we're focused on this, this, that, that. How would you like to proceed? Mm-hmm. And then it like actually, it, it just one, it creates awareness. Two, it opens the door for coachability, right? Like I'm completely open for coaching where it's like, okay, are we going to veer left? That's fine. If we're veering left, just tell me that we like given the circumstances that like, we're going to veer left. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's my job and that's your job. But I think um, if, the, if your operations lead is not, resolute enough and honestly doesn't have the balls to say no then it's it's just a recipe for disaster yep you've had you've had quite a bit of experience building a culture or building kind of cultures and and one thing you did Mm -hmm. even when you first came in um and and for reference okay we'll put this in perspective okay i'm like 45 almost 45 years old you're a different stage of your life there are different ways of developing culture and teamwork and and we have a we have a pretty young we have a pretty young staff you know you right. get involved in the fitness business and the vast majority of our team i don't love calling you know staff or employees like team or crew or whatever yeah squad are, right i mean we have some of them that are coming over right at the end of high school you know they finish school and they drive over uh and we are there's a very young staff team of coaches that that are there and i don't think i've been particularly great at team building type stuff overall and one thing that was was cool is you come in and we start having coaches meetings and we start having um team meetings and everything and now all of a sudden we're, we're playing games and we're doing things and we're breaking the ice differently um, and and I just I found it refreshing a little bit even though maybe I thought some of it was silly I'd be candid about like how do you do this or I'm uncomfortable with it but what's cool mm-hmm. to see is that buy-in from others you know who really enjoy mm-hmm. it what maybe it's a generational thing I, I don't know what it is in there um, I think it's well one, I think it's like we've got we've got a variety of people. I would say the majority of our staff is under thirty, uh, but um, it's just a couple of people that are still in high school. Just for the <laughs> just for the record, I don't want everyone to think that half of you know, that, that half our team can't drive. Uh, <laughs> um, I, but I think it uh, comes down to. Uh, I think it's showing people so like that icebreaker game, for example, which which we did two days in a row. Right. You just take a post-it note and you stick the name of an animal on your head. Uh, You can't see it. Uh, But then you got to go around and ask people yes, no questions about, you know, like, do I have do I have a bill? Do I have fins? Do I fly? You know, stuff like that. You know, it's so it is. It's totally silly. It's something that six year olds do. But it also, uh, you know, there's a there's kind of a psychology behind that, that uh, that fun is a value for us and like taking time to just you know have fun and and to truly break the ice and it's worth like that on the clock time to break the ice and ensure that we really feel connected and particularly in a field like this or you know for anyone listening that's in a small business where your team doesn't really see each other ever you know like by design like the our coaches and instructors they don't they don't see each other unless they're working out in someone else's class right they were hired to do specific times that other people cannot do mm, you know that is point. why they are on the payroll so you kind of need and it's also true coming from a retail background it's also a very similar situation you will hire to people's availability or probably in the restaurant industry right this is the food and fitness podcast so it's like you're going to hire people that can do a specific shift because by design the rest of your people are not available at that time mm-hmm. you don't want to 
always end up in that situation, but inevitably it happens sometimes where it's like, or particularly for, uh, for, um, for retail holiday, like you will hire, you will double your team size for mm-hmm. 10 weeks. Yeah, for and we're holiday, a business right? that's open basically. We're open by 5 mm-hmm. a.m. is our first class. Yep. And you're open seven days a week and you're not out of there until 7.30 p.m. Right. Not, not something one person is handling. Yep. So your morning people don't see your evening people and your evening, you know, for just given different availabilities here and there. And these are not like phenomenal salaried, you know, high pay positions necessarily. So people are often juggling one or two other things, you know, this is kind of that like portfolio income. Um, so to just give them an opportunity, one, really it comes from acknowledgement that we actually even could get everyone in the same room at the same time. But then two, just to like communicate to people that, you know, being connected is, is, is worth our time and worth money. Um, because of, you know, what it, what it causes as a result. And there was a lot of, even coming in, there was a lot of, I would get pulled aside a lot and be like, Hey, just, I just want you to let, to let you know that Tammy feels this way about Sally and Sally feels this way about Tammy. And then Tammy would tell me the opposite thing completely. And then, you know what I mean? So it was just kind of like, okay, you know, what I actually think is happening here is like, everyone's an adult and, um, it's just what happens when, I don't know if you ever have it when like you don't see your significant other for a long period of time too, where it's like, like how you feel about them starts to get a little distorted. I think it's kind of the same thing that's happening with, uh, with staff when they just, you know, they don't see each other for a while. And it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm just reminded that you're like, Oh, you're actually a cool dude. Oh, and you're actually, Oh my God, I can totally cut up with, um, uh, the other, these two staff members, even though they're seniors in high school or even though they're, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And we, and it's a pretty diverse background of, of where our staff comes from, even from a fitness standpoint, what their, what their backgrounds are in fitness. But on the, from the management or kind of the executive side. Can I interrupt and speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I think that something is, that's notable is like. I think it's a misconception in fitness that you need to have people that are phenomenal at fitness and are phenomenally fit um, to have a good, strong team or staff um, or in terms of people that are delivering your product. And I just don't think that's true because, again, it goes back to community. Like you definitely need people that are passionate about fitness. But um, in terms of people that were like former pro athletes or, you know, things like that, you don't need this like extreme, crazy level of fitness. And I think that's where a lot of fitness studios make um, make a, they just totally step in a pot hole there because they will bring people on that want to work out all day but can't interface with other people or Mm. they just you you'll even coach them like hey say your name at the beginning of the fucking class like say your name in the class and like know two people's names in your class and like just say like guys i can't wait to see you thanks so much um for class today i can't wait to see you next wednesday at 5 30 p.m same time same place be here be square right it's Look, it's impressive maybe that your coach can perform this, 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 and this athletically. Mm-hmm. But what people really remember is how you make them feel, mm-hmm. I think. And, yep. and this is something that we have talked a lot about in some, that how do you make people feel? Are you helping them accomplish their goals? Do they like you, you know, personally? Right. Uh, are they also, are they having fun too? Is it style over substance? You know, is it, I mean, if it's too much fun and too much style and not enough substance, okay, bring it bring it back in a little bit mm-hmm. but if it's all science okay or all the person on the podium is some super godly athlete but they just are not either likable or not interested in the client themselves yeah like they don't want to know people's because name. there's a very big difference between you be you being able to work out or you being able to provide a good fitness experience for others you know right especially in a in a group environment and and even with with having you on board uh, now, 
you want to hire complementary skill sets too. You want to hire people that are able to complement you. I think that your skill set complements me, you know, in there too. You can mm -hmm. set up these these games and these challenges and these other things and get feedback and build community. We want to bring on coaches as well that are able to connect with people and come from different disciplines. Maybe they were a rower first, you know, and then a lifter. Maybe they've never rowed before, but they are the most charismatic, amazing, like healthy person in their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And you can teach them the mechanics and they're really through and they can soak it in like a sponge and then teach other people too. Uh, and being able to find those those people. Um, the workout is yeah. an element. It's not the element. Um, because really, like, if people, you know, wanted a, a specific workout, they could go on YouTube right now and find an unbelievable number mm -hmm. of workouts and an unbelievable amount of free, incredibly high-quality content for free. Right? So they're clearly not coming just for a workout because that makes – I mean, that makes no sense. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, so there's clear, like in terms of like a studio structure, even like a, like a brick and mortar business or whatever, there's something else there in the picture. People are coming for something else other than just doing these movements in this order. They're coming for personality. They're coming for connection. And like, frankly, we're like, we're not in the business of fitness. We're in the business of community and fitness is an element of what we sell. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and as you say that, I'm sitting here thinking, I haven't worked out today yet. I know I need to get a workout in. I really don't want to do it by myself, mm -hmm. okay? Yep. I'm really going, wait, do we have a four o'clock today? Because if we have a four yep. o'clock, then I can actually get out of here. I can jump into the four o'clock and that makes me feel better. But the thought of doing it by myself, okay? Yeah, because you've had to be, you've probably been like self-starting all day long, right? And, you know, and professionals are self-starting all week long, you know, and not to mention having a family on top of that, not to mention having all this other stuff going on, you know, multiple businesses and things like that. So like to, it's, it feels like heaven to go somewhere and just not have to make any decisions for an hour and be able to also knock out this thing that you're supposed to be doing so that you can take care of yourself and your family as you get older. Oh, yeah. There's where are you going to go? You're going to go where you feel good. You're going to go where mm -hmm. it's motivating. You're going to go where it's inspiring. It's like these people are going to help me utilize my one hour a day, if you yeah, will. Yeah, and where you can be told what to do. It's great mm -hmm. being told what to do. Like, please tell me what to do. I'd love facts. It's It takes minimal brain cells, right? right That's yeah. refreshing. I mean, you're going to put it up on the screen and you're going to turn on some really great music and then I'm just going to go ahead and do this. That's a lot less thought than I put into anything for the entire for the entire day. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do I do like that. Uh that very much, and you get some people that, that you talk to. Um, growing pains and scaling. You know, we are, we are right at this point right now where we have a single studio. It is doing well. I think we've kind of pushed the boulder uphill for a couple of years in creating and establishing Row as, as a concept. Uh, talk to me about your personal experiences with, with growing. You know, like... I feel very close to Roe, obviously, because I kind of created the, the brand, if you will. And it's not a brand mm -hmm. until it, I guess it really affects enough people to be a brand. Mm -hmm. But it's an idea. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and now it's there at one. Yeah. But now you're tasked and have been before tasked with kind of growing that baby, you know, um, and, seeing the, and the challenges and, and what we're doing to grow it right now also. Right. Well, um, the uh, the hump that we're about to go over is it's a one of a kind hump. 
and it's one location to more than one location, right? Like going from one to two is is really, really big because it does something to your community that right, right, like right now the community is all gathering in one place. And once you open number two and beyond, like that statement's just not true anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for, it's, it's looking at the existing um, vibe and kind of, it's trying to tease apart, okay, what things about this are reproducible and that we feel are reproducible? And then what things about this are unique to the West U neighborhood? So if we were to open in another neighborhood, right? Like th- it's similar but different, right? Like there are going to be elements that people are going to pick up on. Like, okay, like this is the row brand. This is the experience. The towels are this color. It smells like this, et cetera. Um, and then there are going to be things that, um, you know, are unique to a particular neighborhood and are caused ultimately by the people that are coaching, the people that work there, and the people that go there. So it's kind of looking at that and being like okay like what what skeleton are we going to put in place and how are we going to come in and be organized as fuck frankly um and also very agile uh and yet at the same time hold space for magic to to happen and to unfold over mm-hmm. time right so i think that that is a factor um I think that more and more, um, and a lot of what we did previously like with y1 and, and other businesses also is um you know what, and this is happening increasingly in fitness. I think what is a uh, uh, the pre branding strategy? You know, because so much of it is about vibe and is about people and connection. Well, there's good news. You actually don't need a space uh, to create that, right? Like, if you if we're going to go into a certain neighborhood in six months, then like some people that are faces of the brand need to start networking in that neighborhood now, mm-hmm. right? And it's you know what's great. The, we have a little bit of equipment. Luckily, we don't have as much equipment as some other. Um, types of fitness um, but you know what I mean if it's um, if it's about you know creating something really mobile hell we can like we can take over a parking lot on Saturday mornings you know three months out and right. so people actually have a complete understanding of what the workout is going to be um, and they're actually going to have friends that are going to try um, the studio out on day one when it mm-hmm. opens um, and so that's just it's about just hitting the ground running and I think that uh, and I think that that's you know I think that's really um it's achievable, and as you de- as you develop more and more locations, you know you have more and more resources to pull from to create that. Yeah, and I think I kind of as I look at it, at going from one to two, and then even beyond, somewhat similar to even with one, people start to develop connections with who they see every day, whether mm-hmm. it's their coach or even other clients. And we always talk about well, we can't make another six a.m. You know, right. Like, what can we do throughout the day, you know, also, or what can we do to make that the best 6 a.m.? But you have this situation where you can't be everywhere and you can't be everything to, to everyone also. Right. But if you're in a class and you're in the 6 a.m. class every day and you really like your coach and that's what you do, and then that coach is now coaching at 6 p.m., you know, something changes in, the, in their life, you know? It's similar to the fact that we would go from one studio to another studio and then people's time is split and done differently. So something mm-hmm. has to be done again, with the brand and with the company and with the people that you are bringing on and the culture so that they still love their 6 a.m. Like, okay, we acknowledge that there's change. You know, we always have, we acknowledge. So we acknowledge mm-hmm. that there was change, but this person is coming in and this person is, is on point and they're on brand right. and that they bring their personality to things, but they're still functioning and performing within the brand promises that we've created and that people have come to, come to rely on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I also think that there's there's kind of different stages of scaling, right? There is scaling 
since so many of the resources, like the critical resources of the business are human resources, right? So it, it's one thing, you know, if we're going to open five locations and they're all in Houston, well, then there's a potential, quite a bit of potential for shared human resources, right? You know, the coach teaches two days a week at this location, two days a week at that location, right. two days a week at that location, right? So that's kind of one, one jump is, you know, like scaling, but still having a shared resource or human resources as, you know, a shared asset. And then it's kind of another jump to, uh, to go into a completely new market or a completely new city or a completely new time zone. Um, so I think, I think a good example of that is, um, uh, you take yoga one and then you take one of yoga one's, um, primary competitors, they're friendly competitors, uh, big power yoga, which after two locations in Houston was like, Nope, you know what? We've got so many people that want to be in the mountains. Let's open in Denver. And so, and, you know, and there was, you know, when they had that, when they, when they did that, they didn't have any connections in Denver at all. Right. They just had some people on their team that really, really, really were dead set on moving to Denver someday, mm -hmm. you know, and if they're, and, and their uh, brand is like, you know, like living your best life now and you know, all of that. Um, so like, who are they to say that they have, you know, senior people on their team that want to be in the mountains and are not in the mountains. Right. So that's just, you know, it's, it's like, okay, we're going to rip the bandaid off and you know, this one's going to suck because we've got this vibe and we have to create it from zero, but it's, you know, there's no better time than now. You know, you'll never be younger. And look, that's not that's being an entrepreneur. Yep. You know, and and there's never a perfect time to do to do anything. Um, it's actually a similar. I've got a client in Austin that did a very similar thing. Had staff in their bar business that wanted to be Denver. Apparently, is very hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wanted to be in Denver. And fast forward, they moved some people out there, and, and or people moved out there, and they said, "Go find a spot. When you find a spot, we can bring this." We can bring this to Denver because you're back to to the people again. Right. You're back to the said the, the the human resource aspect of it. If you have capable, passionate people, and you have something that is is proven or a vibe. In this case, mm -hmm. what they had in Austin with my clients and, and Luster Pearl and what Big may have had here, you can you can do that. You know, yeah. overall. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to like that, the idea of the stay interview, right? Like you've got extra interviews, but then you've also got stay interviews, you know, so it's connecting with, it's connecting with your heavy hitters and saying like, Hey, what makes you stay and what would make you go? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the, it's kind of, you know, they're giving you direct Intel on what would poach them away and you can kind of get out in front of that. Um, because you know, and even as we've seen recently, you know, turnover can get very, very expensive very quickly. Um, you know, so in an industry like this, you know, it just comes back to the human Turnover resources. can certainly get expensive quickly, but also keeping the wrong people for the wrong reason yep. can be even more costly. A lot more expensive. It can be, can be a lot yeah. more expensive. That's impacting really, more than just payroll. Yes, yeah. that, that could cost you everything at the same time. Too. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take much within a team or within a culture to kind of corrupt that culture. You have, you know, one or two mm -hmm. weaker links in there and, and, it could become paralyzing. Well, I think it also kind of reframes, and this is what we're breaking up right now. It, um, it kind of, uh, it recalibrates everyone to what is achievable in a work day or a work week, you know, and people are like, I couldn't possibly get that done in, you know, a day or in a week or in a month, you know? And so then to just come in from zero and, you know, not operate from the way it's been, but to just be like, no, it's actually, you know, we're going to get done in two weeks. What has previously taken a year and that, you know, and, Sorry, but everything else you've heard before this is bullshit because this is actually what's achievable in a forty-hour week. I have always said for a while too that that if you had certain people that were working mm -hmm, as efficiently and effectively as they worked out, 
<laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. like in CrossFit, for example, things are for time, you mm-hmm. know, or, or whatever it may be. It's like, wow, like if you were able to function in your professional life as if you were on the similar clock, like you had to get it done correctly and you had to get it done as quickly as possible and as efficiently and effectively as possible, we wouldn't be having these, con- yeah. some of these other conversations right now. <laughs> it reminds me of this, uh, I'm going to butcher the source of this study. I actually don't even know the source of this study. I just remember reading it where it was, they interviewed uh, faculty, they interviewed faculty and they're like, hey, how much, how much do you work you know, per week? And, you know, a lot of these faculties, and I think it was a mix of like adjunct, associate, and blah, blah, blah. And so the, the, the average that they said they worked, they're like, oh, I work about 60 hours a week. And I work about 60 hours a week. Well, then they looked at, um, I don't remember the details of the experiment. It was just that they were actually logging their time. Um, and they worked an average of 31 hours a week. So you just got to remember that, you know, like there's the number of hours that people are actually working. And then there's also, especially when you're involved in something that you're passionate about, like there's, um, then there's like, uh, the perception of how, how hard you're working or how much you're working. And so it's just kind of like, just come back to reality and say like, Hey, you're like, you're, you're overwhelmed. You work, you work 18 hours a week. Like, this is like, let's have a conversation about that. Like what, what if it were easy, right? Like I've got a post-it note on my desk that says like, what if it were easy so that when I'm, you know, screaming about something, it's just like, I can kind of reframe and it's like, okay, you know, like, like it's like people will always recalibrate themselves really high as to how hard they're working. And it's like, well, why don't you just work less and be way more attentive and, you know, like Mm -hmm. do high value tasks and like concentrate that work. And then you won't have to worry about it so much. Well, it's, it's being productive versus being busy, you know, and it gets Mm -hmm. back to work, work capacity. Yeah. In, in that regard. What are some things that you want to accomplish? Because, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm, I'm curious, I'll put you on the spot. Like, what are some things that you want to accomplish both with us right now and with this business, but, but also, you know, for yourself? Like, what charges you up? What do you love to do? You know, what challenges do you like to face? And, and you know, where are we five years from now? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> thanks. Well, I think with Roe in particular, um, like there is, I think something that makes this different than other businesses that have interacted with and worked for is that, you know, the, the people at the helm and kind of the brains at the top of the mountain are people that are savvy about business and are also happen to have a passion about fitness. And, um, often in this industry it's reversed you've got people that are hyper passionate about fitness that are going to try their hand at business and that tends to um, start to crumble because you have things like okay it's time to make 100 phone calls today and it's just like you know what i mean like that's just the people have a meltdown you know when that's just kind of business 101 right um so i think in terms of you know like using the containers of business in order to create a fitness experience for as many people as possible i definitely see roe um having what it takes to become a, like, a, like a multi-location and multi-community uh, experience. Um, and I also think that there is, I think there's an increasing population of people who are looking for, um, they, like they like intensity and they like knowing the other people in the room, but a higher impact, uh, workout is just not sustainable as they start to get older. Right. Um, so I think that we'll begin to see that like what's cool about row is that it's an intelligent design. It's an intelligent workout. Um, 
And you've got a lot of people that are coming in. They're already savvy to the idea of um, like pushing themselves and, you know, being really fit and they like the feeling of that. They just cannot do any more uh, sprints outside. Like their joints are wrecked. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, we've created something that's a solution to that. Um, and then I think it's just the most badass thing about um, being an entrepreneur in the fitness space is that fitness professional was not a thing seven years ago, right? You just did not have people that were making a living doing it. You had personal trainers that were busting their ass mm-hmm. and you actually, and we've talked to a few, you still have personal trainers that, yeah, you know what I mean? Like they're successful and this and that, and they're absolutely beating the crap out of themselves, you know? But I think that there are a lot more people enamored with health and fitness than there used to be yes. and what it creates, you know, it's an, exp- my background is I went to music school. I went to school for classical music. I have two degrees in French horn. You think your degree is worthless? Try having two degrees in classical French horn. Okay, so... Like, so in ter- so, so that was an imploding industry, right? Like there are not more orchestras being created, right? If anything, like there's more talent and fewer jobs and in fitness, it's kind of the opposite kind of the sky's the limit. It's an exploding industry. Mm-hmm. So you've got, uh, you, you know, there's, there's a need for more operations managers. There's a need for more coaches. There's a need for, you know what I mean? Like, and it's really like, and there's a need for more marketing talent to be in that right. space. It's not just, I like to work out. Let me just go train. Yeah. It's and an then, yeah, exactly. And then you also have people, I mean, you look at some of these really heavy hit like the you know like soul cycles and stuff like that well those people need like they need web developers and they need people that can design apps so then you're starting to poach talent from technology right you know, or it's, it's spot on i mean look i've built my insurance practice based around fitness and hospitality in a way mm-hmm. if you can eat it drink it or work out with it that's the stuff that i really like to insure mm-hmm. and and when i even first got to houston this goes back 14 15 years those industries didn't exist like they did today there right. weren't people that were necessarily specializing in that. Right. But look at the explosive growth you've got, similar to the to the trainer of the fitness. Thing. I mean, it wasn't really a career even in hospitality per se, or even food and beverage and fitness brands. You had bartenders, you had waiters. These were you know you had jobs, but there weren't as many entrepreneurs who owned multiple concepts. Hey, right. I started a bar, okay, and now I have seven of them, and I employ a thousand people. Or mm-hmm. I have a restaurant now; I have five restaurants, whether they're all different concepts or the same. And then it gets into what's behind that. Okay, well, there has to be chicken in a, in the freezer. There has to be beef. There has to be POS systems. Yep. The fitness equipment manufacturers, all of that stuff. So, I agree with you completely that these. You, you can focus and you can be involved in what you're passionate about, and it can be a real business, not just a part-time thing, you know, or a transitional job to get to the next thing. We, al- we always talk about, this is hugely important for me, that I'd love for our team, as we continue to grow, to have careers, not jobs, mm-hmm. you know, to really right. be bought in and have a career with the company. So if you happen to love fitness and love coaching, and you want to coach two or three days a week, but you're having to be an awesome, kick-ass graphic designer. Like you could work for us completely for a long time. You know, completely. Doing that. Amen. Yeah, I, I think it's, so. That. It's, I it's love that point. totally badass to create jobs. I mean, I, I just love the, you know the fact that we're in a position to be able to do something like that in an industry that is proactive and cool and fun and exploding is really really awesome. And then I also think it's um, like so. I'm a millennial. I'm 30, and I think that you have now this increasingly uh, like like this millennial uh, community or market or, you know, group of assholes, however we want to describe us. Right. Like there is like, there is this, 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 uh, uh, tenor to the, um, 
millennial uh, audience um, to have experiences, right? Like, so there's like, you know, rather than saving for a house, it's like, oh, well, you know what? Like, actually, you know, this doesn't mean personally, but like, it's like, it's very common for someone to be like, I am totally content to lease houses for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, if it means that I can like, you know, do all of the cool experiences that I want and go visit Europe once a year and like make memories now. Right. I think there's much more of a, you know, for, for whatever reasons, different economic reasons, different area you know, government. You're smirking at me as I say that right now. Right. <laughs> well, I'm, say, actually, hey, I'm oh. actually thinking about like, something <laughs> like, like even on a micro, micro, like, like class pass. I'm thinking like, oh yeah. So you mean I don't have to make a commitment to one particular fitness brand. I can go to all yeah. of them, you know? Did you know the number brand? one reason millennials buy houses is for their dog? I, I, did not know. <laughs> I would totally buy a house for for uh, for like a little two little corgis to play in the backyard. <laughs> totally worth it, right? But it's so just kind of like okay, well, you can like that or you can hate that, right? You can be you can be pro millennial or anti millennial or just whatever. Um, but to look at that and say like, okay, now the majority of those people are now adults. The majority of those people have incomes. The majority of those people had experiences X, Y, and Z growing up. So the majority of them are going to behave this way. Like, so what industry? should we be in like we are in an experiential industry restaurateurs are in an experiential industry hospitality professionals are in an experiential industry right so that's you know that's going to be exploding i'm sure when this next generation comes along like whatever they're i I don't remember what they're called but this generation that's like only ever known the iphone right and they Mm -hmm. like you know like like teen pregnancies way down because they don't want to talk to each other they just want to snapchat each other right but they don't actually want to talk to each other so then when that market matures there's going to be like a whole different you know what i mean like the market's going to completely change then like you know they don't want to go to row class they want to go to row virtual reality you know and be tagging their friends or, or whatever there's right definitely a huge uptick in the belief that what you're passionate about can become your career can become your job you know that follow your passion right and we're back in a time where everybody just posts motivational shit every day and everyone posting like if you don't like your situation quit you know or change it or move to the mm-hmm. next thing but you know, if if looked upon maturely in a way, um, some of it also makes a lot of sense that if you're really great at something, whatever it is that you choose and you're really great at it, you'll be successful at it. And if you actually want to create a business in fitness, you can create a successful business in fitness if you're smart about it and you can make the sky's the limit on what you can make. I, I don't believe, I'm sure when they started even SoulCycle in one studio, I believe, was in a, in a church. You could say, okay, we're going to go and we're going to sell this company and then we're going to take it public and we're going to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You just keep doing what you're doing and you please more and more people and people are happy and you're doing it. And the next thing you know, these things happen. And I still think there are people that hopefully will, will work with us that if they just love coaching and that's what they want to do, they don't want to move into management. You know, they don't want to move into right. management. I worked out with a guy the other morning, similar thing, 20 plus years training people, has an amazing, like, it's what he loves to do. Mm-hmm. Do not move me into management. Do not move me away from the people, you know, if you will, right. what I love to do. And that's fair. That's fair also. Right. And I think that there's, you know, social media has kind of been a, a blessing for industries like ours because it's, it's made a human connection very scarce, right? Where people kind of, you know, they'll go, you know, almost their entire week and not remember what it's like to just, you know, look into their friend's eyes, you know, for an evening over drinks or something like that. So like they, they begin to more actively crave those uh, experiences. Definitely. I love that, that community, that togetherness, because you do start to realize when you step back every once in a while that, okay, maybe these people that I know, 
uh, or I think that I know that are on this little shot of my of my screen. They're they're mm. three inches tall every day when I look <laughs> at them, but I feel like I know every single thing in their life because they're right. posting everything that they're doing. Right um, now, great. They're some of them have built great personal brands that way uh, and and careers that way, but very different from the human experience of what we can get to again in in the studio, you know, and how to preserve that as, as we continue to grow. Right. Also. Mm-hmm. What's exciting now? What are, what are we working on that's exciting? Um, at row? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, a few things that we're working on that are really cool. You know, this year we began to, um, uh, I was not at the business at this time, but uh, this challenge was rolled out. It's called the Million Meter Challenge. Mm-hmm. And essentially the short of it is, you know, you can you can take these cards and put them into the rowing machines and it's going to track how many meters you row. You row about 5,000 meters uh, in one of our standard classes. Um, so we just began to track that and create little uh, challenges uh, where, you know, let, like what does it take to row a quarter million meters or half million meters or a million meters? Uh, and that was that created a culture change that was really interesting because uh, I don't know what it was like, you know, prior to 2017, but you I noticed that you have people that are coming in 20, 30, 40 minutes early, right? Just so that they can get into the room and like get their machine um, and get their card and like start to rack up. They're moving towards their goal and their goal is really lofty. And, you know, this is, this is kind of in a neighborhood where you have a lot of people that have, you know, they have careers and they have, you know what I mean? Like they're kind of going after bigger, bigger things. Um, and they're already, you know, savvy to fitness. Um, so it's like, like I have, like I will wear my Ironman finisher shirt to a party, even if it's completely inappropriate. Cause I just like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm a bad because I just, you know, just like where so people love finisher shirts and they love stuff like that. So we were like, okay, you know, this is clearly this is people. We didn't tell people to behave this way. They're just behaving this way. So that's really interesting. Um, and the feedback is like that the studio is not open enough for them to come in and row by themselves. Like what a great problem to have, you know. So so um, we're so we're blowing that up. We're turning that into an evergreen challenge. So what I, I like about this also and 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 this is for goes back to what we talked about at the beginning kind of the dynamic between idea and also execution mm-hmm. and, and how to bring, bring something to the table again of value. So, mm-hmm. so here's a perfect example of that. One, you just picked what I would have picked if I had to answer what I think is most exciting you know, in the, in the first thing. But two, when we first created this million meter challenge, it was an annual you know, thing. It right. was okay, you, you maybe have all of 2017 to finish this, you know, right. if you will. And it was, do we charge for the login cards, you know, that, that go into the machines? And then it was, what do you get when you get to 250,000 meters and then 500 and then 750 or, or, or a million? There was that. Or even what intervals do we pick you know, right. in there, too? What, what's cool to me is that I have somebody like you that comes in from the outside, then comes in, gets to know some of our clientele, gets to see some of the stuff we're working on, and then says, wait a minute, like, I can make this better. And I'm like, like let's, mm-hmm. let's throw a little wrench in here and let's tweak this. And now it's, why should it end? You know, like it's, it, or reset. Yeah, it's like, working. Yeah. yeah, like it's working. Why would it ever end? Let's make it evergreen, you know, or let's set the benchmarks here, okay? And let's design specific shirts or whatever or things that it may be so that people can wear them with pride and it hits me over the head going wait a minute why do i always wear that fifth mountain shirt or why do i always wear because you earn it it's not something that you can buy 
Right. You know, but the dynamic and the working relationship part of this that I that I get excited about is the idea to execution, but also the making ideas or seeing things and then making them better. You know, mm-hmm. is there? That's that's the part that I like, kind of from a CEO to a COO standpoint. It's like, wow, you took something that I was a little bit of a part of, and like gave it a whole bigger life. You know, and and now we'll, we'll turn the corner or finish this year really strongly with it. But like, I want that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also a segue into um, like in terms of operations, looking at how we can leverage our time and looking at what other elements of the business we can make evergreen. Right. So some other uh, things that are in the picture. Previously, when you were when you were trying out Rose Studios, uh, you would get an intro pass or you could buy an intro pass that was a week in length. Well, a week is not really enough time to wrap your head around, you know, well, you know, all our different coaches and our different class types and stuff like that. So uh, that shifted recently to where it's a month, right? Mm-hmm. So that gives people a lot of time being really, really generous, right? In, in terms of marketing, it functions as that kind of lead magnet where, you know, like it's, you know, it's a, it's a really good deal a month for 49 bucks. You know, you'll have people that'll come 30 days, right? They'll come all 30 days because they're just so freaking excited. Um, and do during that, then we can begin to tell a story on the back end um, using marketing automation, um, using email and using, you know, all of that stuff and funnels, but just getting really, really clear, like what is the ideal client journey? The ideal client journey is they hear about us through, you know, ideally word of mouth, but, you know, you can't really, uh, you can't bet on that. So it's just like, however they hear about us, they come in, they purchase the intro special, and then from the intro special, they convert to membership, you know? And so our job, so we don't have to worry about like, oh, we gotta be in 10 magazines next month, you know, in order to blah, blah, blah. We can just look at the percentages. We can say like, hey, you know what? Only I'm making up these numbers. Um, maybe only 4% of people on that intro pass are becoming members. Okay, we want to triple our business. Like, let's just get that up to twelve percent. What do we need to get that number up to twelve percent? Same number of people coming in the door. That was one of the biggest things that happened at Yoga One. It was like we came on and it was like, um, like, man, we just you know we got to get more members. We got to get more members. Well, then we looked. They were selling a thousand new student specials a month. 1000 per month. So it was like, you don't need more people coming in the, you know, coming in the business, right? It's kind of like looking. So just going back to like marketing funnels and saying like, okay, you don't need to, like, if you've got holes in your funnel everywhere, you don't need to be pouring more into your funnel and you don't need to be like blowing out all this advertising money to get more people in your funnel. Yep. You just need to patch those holes. You need to lose as few people as possible as you're taking them toward ideal client journey. Yeah. And I think we, we had some of that early, early on because in a way, because we created a brand new original con- concept, we still weren't exactly sure where we were vision wise, mm-hmm. um, which who we were appealing to, but we happened to have this amazing location. We happened to have this beautiful studio. Yeah. We happened to have this class experience that we were still defining, you know, and figuring out. Um, and we had great word of mouth. And then it's a little bit of be careful what you wish for, you know, as you said, like, so people are coming in and what you want is you want to retain people and you want right. to provide them a great experience and you want to be clear on your vision and you want consistency between your 5 a.m. class, let's say in your 5 p.m. class. And that takes some, it, you know, it, t- it takes a little time. And then, right. and similarly we found out, oh, we also had a lot of people coming, coming through the door. The question is not how many come through the door, how many are you also retaining and how many are you appealing to? And then what type of person is that? Because it's okay if, if, if this, if we're not for everybody. Yep. Right? We're not going to be for everybody. But if you get the type of person coming through your door that you believe is your ideal target demographic, you know, mm-hmm. 
you would expect you would want to convert that person. You know, you would want to retain and keep that person, and it would bother you. I mean, in a way, if they stopped for whatever reason. Right. And I think that's the key thing to pay attention to a lot is know your customer or know your client or know who you really should be appealing to and make sure that you are retaining and appealing to that person over and over again and more of them versus trying to be everything to everybody. I think it's also to assume nothing. It's like, um, so we would do um, at Yoga One, we would do these hello calls two weeks into their kind of four week intro. So we do these hello calls. We call people and it's like, hey, what's up? Like, what'd you think of the class? You know, it wasn't even like a sales call. It was it was really like a feedback call. And it was mm-hmm. with a BTW on the end that, you know, like, hey, you know, become a, become a member, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and it was uh, like, it was shocking the number of people that were like, yeah, I came to one class and he was just hot as shit. Like yoga is just not for me. And so, so we looked, so we had their, like, you'd have their attendance record up and it was like, oh yeah, you're right. It was, you went to a hot yoga class, you know, you know, we've got multiple class types. So why don't you, you know, there's another room in the building so I think, so if you're, if, if the reason it wasn't for you is it was because it was a hundred degrees, then we, you've got two more weeks. We encourage you to try one of the classes that are not a hundred degrees. Right. And then it was so funny when you'd see those person three months later and they were a member, you know, and it's just like, oh man, that person would have really, that person would have just gone through life thinking that all yoga everywhere is a hundred degrees, you know, and that, that's like just a prerequisite for stretching. Right. Well, it's so it's you can't assume anything. You can't assume, like there's two rooms. It's so clear. They got a tour when they came in. I mean, you just can't assume that they're going to retain anything. So just, and it's fine. It's not, you know, it's not like looking down on the client. It's just like, it's just marketing 101 that you got to, you got to put it in front of people again and again and again. It takes seven to 13 touches to, to have someone give you a dollar, right? On average. So you, you just got to get in front of them again and again. And it feels like you're on repeat and you know, you're so sick of saying for the hundredth time X, Y, and Z, but people have a lot of other stuff going on so it takes several times for them to really hear what you offer and then when they realize it they're like oh well that's another point that you make that that what it takes to connect with with other people and to get them over whatever hurdle it is or to get them aware um because but we're there all the time like we know it we see it like it's hard to how do they not realize that you know that room versus this room or that we mm-hmm. offer other things because we're, we're living in that moment. We're there all the time. Right. We're utilizing it when it's open. We're utilizing it when it's closed. We're hearing about it all the time. Or uh, Again, we, deal, we, we talk about our all-body class, which is our signature class versus endurance versus strength, you know, and trying to put together a comprehensive schedule for people. But invariably, you know, to your point on, 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 on hot yoga versus if you – Versus uh, not cold yoga or whatever, like normal yoga. Or even just like, yeah, like different variations. Like we tell people the strength class has no rowing in it. The strength class has no row. It says that in all caps. And then like, and then what's the feedback? What's the Yelp complaint? Man, I took this class and had no rowing in it. What the fuck? (laughs) It's (laughs) just like, ah. So, you know, you just got to be diligent about getting in front of them again and again. The endurance strength and mobility offerings. You happen to take the one that was pure strength. Like, but again, if you don't have that, I mean, Meaning like if you owned a hot yoga place and that was what you offered, you will convert people that want hot yoga. You're never going to have that person that does not like hot yoga. Right. If you have multiple offerings, then it's in the communication and it's in the connection right. and the explanation that, yeah, we get it. But if we are not conveying it properly and they're not getting it, it's, it's potentially a missed, oppor- missed opportunity there. Yeah. Um, there too. So I think that's also, you know, completely valid which is if you really like running okay then you know you'll go to a place like there's a whole other concept that is devoted just to running on a treadmill right like, indoors and hey 
maybe it works. I don't know. <laughs> I can see the disdain in your face. I've been several times. It's fun, it's but I have a running disdain, back. It's just, it's like, hey, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I, I'm going to try. By the way, I'm going to try it. Okay. And yep. and the runners out there, great. I think it's, a, I tout everybody. I want everybody that starts something that is passionate, that has an idea to be super successful. So I think it's called Race Pace. Yep. Is it in Houston? Yep. Okay. Well, I also think something like that is clear, right? Like it, it's, like that's clearly you're going to be running. It's like people aren't going to come to row if they hate rowing. Like I have a friend, she does Pilates and I, you know, and she knows that I'm working with row now and like, she's still too traumatized from when she, when she did crew in college. So I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, like bad news. Yeah. There is a rowing machine as the name implies, like there's a <laughs> rowing machine in this business, but I think you should come anyway because I think it's, you know, it's going to be a different experience. But so when you have something that has multiple offerings right out of the gate, right, which is now what our new students experience, you know, as opposed to something that is just one class, you know, less mills classes, um, uh, you know, that'll be at uh, maybe like a lifetime fitness or something like that. Less like body pump and stuff like that. Yep. That's that brand less mills. How that structure works is that, um, like those instructors, they get like a DVD mailed to them or something and, and a CD and like, this is the workout. This is the playlist. And so you do that exact workout and that same playlist for one month straight. You do it every single every single day of October. You're gonna do the exact same class. Then you get your DVD and you get your CD in the mail or whatever. And or I mean, come on, online. I'm sure by now. Um, and that it's just like, and then you are gonna learn a new routine and learn a new playlist. And for some people, like that is exactly what they want. We would call a yoga one. We would call the hot yoga class the Starbucks latte because it was like. Like no matter where you go, it is going to be the same poses in the same order with the same heat and the same humidity. And you've got people that like to just compare their performance day to day by that class. They're like, okay, I know what's coming, right? It's just another, they get to just turn the gear down one more in terms of how many brain cells they're using in the class. Mm -hmm. Right. But then you've got other people that are like, that sounds like torture by design, right? To do the same thing over and over. Or just, I taught, I used to teach spin with a guy who had taught body pump for years and he would literally like... Uptown Funk is banned at that spin studio because he like played it for like six months straight because well, he just didn't need to ever change anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and that wasn't working for that environment, but that's also, but then you have another population of people for whom like, that's exactly what they want. Actually, they want something systematic so they can, you know what I mean? They can compare themselves to it. Definitely. And sometimes your system is to be, to be varied. Like, you know, one of the right. brand promises could be, Hey, it's going to be different every time you come here. Yeah. Right? And then you wrestle with, how much variance? Okay, right. like how creative? Can yep. You so that's why we. Make? So that's why we created, and we just created a few weeks ago. You spoke to it earlier. We created brand promises, and that is for each class type. Like, here is what the class is. Here is what the class isn't. And getting down very specifically into, okay, we're gonna have like the lights down low for the last three minutes of class, so that you can just have your like chill out time. Because some people were doing that, and some people weren't. And it was like, okay, are we doing? Is that you know? Is that a brand promise or like what? Like what is it? You know, say your name at the beginning of the class. Like so that you know, it's just like there's. So the a friendly vibe and um you know in the all body class our signature class it is x minutes of this x minutes of this x minutes of this x minutes of this period you know that instructor wants to jump around and do backflips and play britney spears knock themselves out you've got someone else that's you know like wants to like you did a tom petty class um last week you know like that's that's fine whatever they want to do in terms of their brand within brand that's fine but in terms of brand promises it's like here this is what it is and this is what it isn't um and that creates clarity for people and then you don't have to worry about people trying to like mold the class or mold the the product into something that is just going to cause more feedback then they just gravitate towards who they have the best connection with Mm -hmm. or 
Or the class type they have the best connection with. Because now it's clear. You can't make another 5 a.m. And anybody that's waking up in the fours to get up and take a class at 5 a.m., that is not because they have a whole lot of choices throughout the day. Yeah. (laughs) That is because if I don't do it at 5 a.m., I will not do it at all. Yeah. So so that that stuff's important to to pay attention to also. Are, Are you successful because of your product? necessarily or are you successful because you're the closest to their house at that has a 5 a.m you know right. or whatever whatever the reasons are you want to kind of take in the feedback and figure out again how how can we be the most valuable to to our clients you know? right and at the same time be true to the brand or you're still listening but if all you do is listen to 400 or 500 people and every day you will also go absolutely start raving mad trying to to please everybody if right. One person likes a lunge better than they like a squat. One person thinks it should be forward. One person thinks it should be backwards. Um, and I'm fascinated by that, even in the CrossFit model, if you will, of, well, their number one brand promise in a way seems to be you walk into any box at any time, whatever's on the wall, you just do that, basically. Yeah. You know? Well, I think it's like, a win. Scaled or, or prescribed, you know, if you will. And people have gotten so used to, okay. That's what we do here. Well, I think it's also a win in terms of what's happened recently. Like my perception, I can't speak to what it was like before me, but um, uh, my perception is that um, in creating some change recently, um, that there's been an uptick in feedback across the studio. And I don't know if you can vouch for that necessarily, but I think something that's interesting behind that. So at first it could be like, okay, like like there is a lot happening right now. Um, But the flip side of it is like actually that feedback was kind of floating around or just that desire to be heard was floating around. And they, you know, in a previous environment, like people didn't feel heard or they didn't feel that their feet, like, you know, they didn't feel like that people had really even two ears to listen. So just them feeling heard makes a tremendous difference. Well, I think that's, I think that's good for any business and any business that I've been involved in and the ones that I'm involved with, with now, um, first of all, whenever there is change, I -hmm. think it, it, potentially opens the floodgates, if you will, wherever. Right. You know, we just had a, we had a sales meeting at Inns Group just the other day. And mm-hmm. the question was, okay, we brought in a new individual to kind of run the sales meetings. Right. And you get into the sales environment and the new individual is trying to establish some credibility for himself. Everybody already is back on their heels. Then the CEO comes in. Then he kind of hijacks the meeting. Then he kind of turns it back over to the other guy. And it like change is tough and finding, finding your space. And then it opens up the floodgates of, can I take on this guy? Like, let's challenge, you know, whatever. Is this the meeting where you yelled at everybody? (laughs) I didn't yell per se, but I had a, (laughs) I had a strong opinion about having meetings that have, that have purpose also and giving people, people opportunities. And I do think, you know, in, in our case at, at Roe, but I think this is a, is a business lesson or guys that are out there one that are listening their own thing that you do want to listen, but your people want to be heard. You, your people want to be yeah. heard. It doesn't mean that you're going to do every single thing that they that they say. But you need to field. You right. need to field everything they right. say. You need to I think feel, that's really important. Yeah, and people need to feel like their opinions are going to be heard. Not again that they're all going to be followed or followed immediately. You know, in there, but that they're listened to and that they're a part of something. You know, that's there yeah. as opposed to being just spoken to or or worse ignored in there because then they right. phone it in. Yep. And and then and then everybody's disappointed, you know? Right. The buy-in's got to be there. So I've actually been really refreshed by how many people 
have been interested enough or even bought in enough that they want to be heard. Like you can take yeah. it two ways. You can yep. you can maybe choose to go negative and be like, ah, oh, they're just criticizing, you know, like, ah, oh, they're just they're just so critical or they've always got something. Or you can take it as they care. They care enough. The easy decision would be not say anything, phone it in or whatever, work until they get another job. For every person that's saying something, there's at least 10 people that feel that way but are just not, you know what I mean? They're just, they're in a rush after class or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And event. You, what, you, what happens is eventually you could lose the ones that are such a, so in a rush that they're also just leaving because they don't have time to really say it. They're not yeah. engaged enough to slow down and say it, but they're not getting what they want, okay? Mm-hmm. So yeah. then eventually they're out of there and they find some other place or some other thing that gives them what they want. Yep. The ones that are taking that time and hopefully speaking even maybe for others, if you are listening and you are applying and it is valid in there too, well, maybe that person, that employer, that client or that team, whoever it is, maybe they just – Maybe they just also saved you 10 other people. You know, in right. Life. Yep. Maybe they just improved it for the greater good of the entire business or even just for the hour that those 5 a.m.ers you know, are, are there. Yep. Too. So that, again, that, that makes you feel good on there. Right. But also, you've got to be in this where I'm, I wish I could be there all the time to hear and listen and do all that, getting comfortable still after all this time with not being able to be there and also having somebody in place to process it and decide also what where we go right mm-hmm. yeah so we pull you out of the studio okay for an hour today that we don't have right <laughs> <laughs> okay in there uh, anything and i always ask it Anything you wish that I would ask you or that anybody would ask you that you never get asked? And you say, okay, I either did or did not want to answer this, and I'm glad or not glad that he brought it up. Mm. Can you rephrase the question? What do you want to be asked? Mm-hmm. And then two-parter. What, what don't you want to be asked? Uh, <laughs> um, what I don't want to be asked is uh, is what I want to be up to after row because I'm on a podcast with my boss right now. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Okay. Yeah. So I can, um, but I can speak to that a little bit uh, that, you know, I did a previous year of freelancing prior to this between yoga one and this position. And um, I don't like uh, not being on a team and, you know, just for me, it doesn't quite work. Um, we took personality tests yesterday. So you're clear that like, I have more of a, like kind of an architect personality, uh, INTJ personality, which is the asshole personality. And, uh, but it, it means that, you know, like in terms of like lone wolf, it's, uh, secretly it's not completely my vibe. I like to be in that like engineering seat. I always like to say that I like to be the, cur- I like to be the person that's pulling up the curtain for others to shine. Um, because I'm going to rock the fuck out of pulling up that curtain. Right. And like everything is going to be in place and it's going to be, you know what I mean? It's going to be very, very precise and concise and things like that. Um, and that said, you know, eventually, um, I don't usually like working for people. I like working for you. So you're in a special audience, but I usually don't like working for people. And so eventually, you know what I mean? Like my eventual exit from row, whenever, you know, that may be it, you know, it'll be to kind of be back in that, um, you know, working for myself kind of situation. And it just in terms of like, you know, you know, that like I, my sibling lives in London and I've got a nephew over there and things like that. So it's about creating, um, it's about creating fluidity. Like I'm never going to want to 
to be a corporate VP or anything like mm-hmm. that, and or even to make you know you know to make seven hundred k, you know, doing blah blah blah. It's just, you know what I mean. There's just other things. I guess it's my millennial nature. I'm just like I just you know I just want to go and be be free. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not too far off in that direction, but. Um, uh, in terms of you know what that looks like, I think that they're I think that online entrepreneurship is fascinating. Um, I do a little bit of marketing consulting on the side, and I think that that is fascinating. And thought leadership is fascinating, and influencership and all of that. Um, so that's what I didn't want you to ask me. So I just didn't let you ask me. I just started to answer it. Um, uh, and what I do want to be asked, um, um, I think there's really something to be said uh, around you know like in terms of my entrepreneurial process, I guess. I think a lot of it comes back to practice and that comes back to um, like, I think being in music school. And I think how many other people can relate to something similar is if you um, played a sport uh, very intentionally, you know, it's kind of a similar mindset where you spend a lot of time thinking about performance. You spend a lot of time thinking about flow, right? And the process of flow and um, being able to systematically get into the zone and that uh, in terms of in terms of entrepreneurship, in terms of like causing something that otherwise is just not going to happen, it requires you to be able to tap into that flow state like a light switch, right? Like this, you picked up on it a little bit that like I'll have times where I'll be like, sorry, I'm unavailable for the next four hours. And then I'll come back and there's like an entire quarterly business plan or something, you know, but it's just about like getting into that zone um, systematically and as frequently as possible. And that comes through practice. Um, and even how we began to have this conversation that led to me working for Roe um, and partnering with you, um, it came through writing, right? Just you know, just having a having a consistent writing practice or something like that, to where it, it just goes back to practice. It just goes back to being able to systematically get into the zone and like whatever that is. For me, that's a little bit more on the introvert side in terms of you know, like uh, you know, creating structures and creating systems and stuff like that, and just being very well oiled around that. Um, and so then I also know I need to take things like that. Um, like those systems and apply them to things like, okay, cold calling or, you know, something that we're, you and I are getting ready to call a whole lot of people and I'm shitting my pants about it a little bit. Cause it's just, I would just much rather, you know, like <laughs> work with Legos for the next 12 hours instead, rather than talk to someone. And so, you know, it's applying that practice. Well, that's interesting. In that also, and that, well, I'm not going to just let you off the hook like quickly on that, but <laughs> like you like putting the systems together. Okay. And setting that whole thing up, you might be, shitting your pants a little remiss or whatever about getting on the phone you know with people or or doing the dialing part of it which you ultimately would be excellent at whereas i don't want to do the systems Mm -hmm. okay and pull the list and put it all there but hand me the phone okay yep hand me the phone and i can't wait to go talk to them okay but what i don't want to do is again i don't want to do open the laptop okay create the spreadsheet write down the columns of who we've called when we called them when we need to call them again it's like uh -uh, just give me the number okay tell me who they are oh i know them i love that person let me go call them yeah let's go let's go do that and be pulled back into well actually you should prepare for this okay a little bit and we should have a system (laughs) in place because otherwise you're going to make 100 phone calls we're not going to know who you called and nobody's going to be able to pick it up yep from from there I can't let you off the hook completely, and I have to ask you about one more thing or talk about it a little bit because it gets down to systems and it gets back down to consistency. I know it, have overlooked it, okay, and haven't talked about it yet, but you've won your own personal fitness journey, okay? You were not always a fit guy, if you will. Like, right. you've lost over 100 pounds, okay? Right. So, Talk to us a little bit because this gets back into consistency and systems and 
where you are in your life and what got you to go from that point, okay, to being able to complete an Ironman and end up in the fitness industry from a career standpoint. Yeah, I think it, um, well, I was, I was young when it happened, uh, right? So it was around 16, 17. And, uh, and it was just kind of taking taking those small steps forward where it was like, okay, you know what? Like, I'm done. Uh, like, one of the straws that broke the camel's back was, um, okay, we were at JCPenney, and they didn't have pants that fit me. And, okay, at JCPenney, in the Midwest, at JCPenney, Greg, right? Like, so they didn't have, like, they didn't have size 44, right? So it was just like, okay, like, we can't, Scott, we can't school shop here, right? So what are we going to do? So I started crying in the JCPenney and, you know, that, that happens in JCPenney anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but for different reasons now, but, um, the, so that was just kind of like the, okay, like you know, it's, it's time to do something. It's time to take some action. It's time to do something. And, uh, so, so it was just taking these little tiny baby steps. Like, uh, you know, I would, uh, there was a junior high track, a junior high school and they, they had a track and it was three blocks from my house. So after, so one summer I would, I would actually drive the three blocks to the track. I wouldn't walk. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, and just to kind of, you know, uh, walk a couple laps and do my thing and there's to, to create to measure incremental progress forward. Like I could do two laps and then I could do three laps and then I could run for a lap and then I could blah, blah, blah. Um, and then second was just to be, you know, really diligent about things like water and sleep and a lot of that, you know, really basic stuff. You know, I'm, I totally have like a, um, like drown hunger kind of mentality. Um, and, uh, and I guess it was also, um, you know, just keeping up with uh, momentum and just staring at the feedback directly in the face, right? It's like, okay, we're going to go on a weight loss journey. First things first, let's get a scale. And like, let's just get rip, like, let's get honest about where we are right now, right? Um, and just being uh, like really, really systematic um, about that. And then from there, you know, and, and so running, I think just be kind of, kind of became like, uh, like that gateway drug into fitness for me. Um, uh, and then, uh, in terms of, you know, getting into, getting into yoga and stuff like that, that came more of, as I was exiting music school, you know, in music school, I I'll tell one more quick story. Uh, um, and then I have to get back to work. Sla- <laughs> I've got a slave driver boss, uh, in music school, you know, there's this underground drug in classical music. It's called in a, it's called Inderol. It's a, so it's a drug for hypertension. Um, so, but you would, you would take it and it blocks adrenaline. So, um, as a musician, when you get nervous, uh, you, you know, your hands get clammy think about it, you know, before a speech or whatever, mm-hmm. right? you start to get dry mouth, all that stuff. Well, that's going to completely shut you down. Like if you play, if you play the trumpet and you've got dry mouth, you're just, you're fucked. Um, you know, it's just, you're going to go down. I mean, a lot of people grapple with that. So you'll, so you'll pop these pills, um, right before you play and you don't, you just don't feel anything, you know, cause you're, there's no adrenaline, all the adrenaline gets blocked. Um, so I began to do that my junior year in music school and it was like this dramatic shift. I started to get everything I wanted. Um, but I never felt anything when I played music. Uh, so, you know, I'd like win all the auditions, I'd win all the scholarships and blah, blah, blah. And I got into every school I wanted for grad school and, um, and it, but I just didn't feel anything when I played music anymore, which is, you know, kind of sad. Um, and so then, you know, kind of like just exploring yoga when I'd first moved to Houston, um, you know, it was interesting because it was kind of like all the way at the other end of the spectrum where it was like very like feeling oriented and just having to process and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I, you know, just got into that and even got into the um, fitness industry in terms of going to a class. And you know, the best thing about going to a class was for that hour, it was useless to 
to think about anything else that was happening in my life because I couldn't really do anything about it. Right. Like I knew that that class was going to be an hour long. It was like, well, I don't know what's happening. You know, I don't know what else there is to do, but I know I'm going to be here for 55 more minutes. So I mean, like there's no point in thinking about it. Right. Um, and that even, even regardless of what we were physically doing, like that was a relief. And I think that that's what we give people in this industry. You know, we give them a, we give them a reason to disconnect from everything else that's going on in their day. And it happens to be doing something that's also really good for them. So, yeah. Okay. So we can go back to work is what you're, you're nodding. Okay, I've started looking at my watch more. I'm like, yeah, Craig, we, we have we to can go back. To, we can go back to work now. <laughs> and I will, I'll kind of surmise that also that, that personal even weight loss journey and everything else. The part that also connects with me on that is you don't lose a hundred pounds overnight. Mm. It is a process. And the idea of working that process every day to say, okay, like that, like the phrase, you know, one of my other clients said this all he's like, how do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. You know, yep. you just got to keep chipping, chipping away. Um, but somebody that has that kind of perseverance, somebody that has that kind of persistence that can do the little things every day that ultimately will get the results that, that you're looking for um, versus the quick fix. Like there is no real positive good way that anybody's going to lose 100 pounds in a day. There's no way you're going to eat that elephant. Yep. There's no way we're going to go from one studio to 20 studios by one decision, you know, right. or anything else. So I think that that, that process and something that's proven on a personal level and now on a, on a professional level um, is something personal that, that I'm grateful for, grateful to have you around, grateful for, for what we're working on and the opportunity to, to take a bite every day, you know, of it, mm. lose a pound a day, you know, <laughs> and ultimately we'll get where, where we want to go. So Nick Walney, thank you very much for being on the show today. We will head back to our other studio. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Greg. Take care. The Greg Scheinman Podcast was presented by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit innsgroup.net.